and welcome to Stacia Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford. I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I'm tickety-boo. Thank you very much, Justin. How are things in Canada? Oh, they're pretty good. A little cool, but pretty good. Uh, do you have any more of that rain that you had last week? No, no, it's all been very clement now. We're, we're sort of uh, still perhaps a bit cooler than I would imagine, or maybe I'm just acclimatizing, but we are sort of uh, mid-twenties uh, centigrade, sunny, blue skies, lovely. Oh, Can't beautiful. complain. I was walking the dog the other day. It was three degrees Celsius. Oh, ho, ho, brr. I had to put on a winter jacket. I mean, geez, Murphy, it's May. Uh, anyway, it is colder than I had expected. Uh, the rural life. That's what it is, Justin. It's weird. We get all kinds of weird wind up here too. We're sort of in the back of a valley between two, well, I call them hills, but I guess technically they're small mountains, but we get the... The, the rain and the wind that comes over the top of the mountains and gives us a pretty good gust. So yeah, it's wind in my hair and all that good stuff. It's quite an interesting thing. Your first year living in a new place takes a little getting used For to. For sure. I'm sure you kind of had that when you moved out to Cyprus. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd spent some time here before, so I had a pretty good idea of what was coming. But, um, you know, we moved from a very sort of temperate climate to a very hot <laughs> climate, and that that hits you quite hard for the first year or two, I think. But now um, I'm the opposite. I go back to the UK. It's it's a lovely summer's day. Everybody's in shorts, and I'm I'm pulling on sweaters and things going, God, it's a bit cold. And the golf is terrible here. So many water treatments. <laughs> yeah, it's just wet everywhere, yes. All right. Uh, a little bit of follow-up. I knew I spoke too soon last week, Stu. My phone call vendor, back up to his tricks. Oh. <laughs> I, I, and I've made this into our next topic, effective use of voicemail, because this guy doesn't even leave a message. I just He just calls back, calls back until he gets the hint. And you know what? He sent me an email the other day, and it was confirming the information that I had sent in an email. Here's what you requested. Your request doesn't actually make any sense. Here's the correct answer. And here's the data that you need for that. Two phone calls that I ignored until he confirmed with an email that, yes, you're right. We'll just be consistent. It's like, duh. Oh, anyway, I had to. I had to get that off my chest because this has become, it's, it's yeah, it's one of those ongoing sort of laughs, isn't it? Well, I saw somebody on Twitter, uh, someone of my acquaintance, who said, um, I can't believe there are people who don't realize that responding to an email with a telephone call is akin to assault. <laughs> that wasn't me, but I agree with it. I was like, wow, this is, this is some heavy stuff here. Um, and uh, I was I was talking to somebody on it. A telephone, Justin. Honestly, I, I I don't do it often, but I do occasionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to this guy, and he was explaining to me that we we were having the conversation that you and I have had about business travel and the future of business travel. And uh, he said, "Well, you know, face to face, you just, you just get more done." Um, and I said, "Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's us, Mark, and we're dying." <laughs> the generation the generation behind us has got no interest in face-to-face -face communication whatsoever boy 
Yeah, my son said to me the other day that he'd been speaking to Mike and that, you know, uh, Mike was going to get married and stuff. And it was only after about five minutes that I realized that when he said he'd been speaking to Mike, they'd been exchanging WhatsApp messages. Yep, that's about it. I have a teenager um, in the house. I see that trend. Everything is The visual. language is changing. It is. All right, well, my feedback, um, I, I on your prompting, I listened back to uh, The Pen Addict again. I, I believe I was hanging out the washing when... Uh, when the foglietto item was mentioned. So there's my defense. I am Renaissance man. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it was lovely. Good old Brad. Good man. Thank you, Brad. Um, and yeah, well, I hope he's enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying mine. Um, and the other one I had, which was kind of follow-up, was, um, now we're, we're not terribly political on this podcast, and I don't think that's going to change. But um, in the 1857 Slack, which is also not very political, uh, Jason Ross, good old Jason. Hi, Jason. Um, he sort of picked up on a conversation that had kicked off on Reddit, uh, which I then found spilling over into my Twitter feeds, where Noodler's Inc., the very ink we were talking about last week, um, had caused a bit of a stir. He'd released uh, a new, well, a couple of new uh, inks. Um, well, I'm just thinking what they're called, Volker Green and Bananke Red. Um, and he'd used some imagery which was, well, anti-Semitic or anti-Semitic, if that's the correct pronunciation. I don't know which. Now, I have to say, I didn't look at it and think, oh, that's anti-Semitic. I just looked at it and thought it was odd, <laughs> to be honest. But a lot of people who do know about this did get very, very upset about it all. And uh, there was a, one of those internet firestorms that happened. Mm -hmm. um, until eventually... Uh, the gentleman concerned, whose name is, is Nathan, I believe, is it? Nathan Tardif. There we go. He's issued an apology. Uh, he, I'll, I'll read it. It says, The recent labels of Volker Green and Bananke Red have come to the public as me being an anti-Semite. This is not the case. I'm sorry to all the people these labels offended, as it was never my intention to do so. While I was ignorant of it at the time I created it, I now recognize that these labels unintentionally make use of anti-Semitic imagery and putting these images into the world empowered anti-semitism and i will not make this mistake again my reasoning behind the labels was never to offend anyone's religion i sincerely regret the harm that the artwork of these labels has caused to anyone none of this was intended and i hope those who have who i have offended should be whom there nathan whom i've offended can forgive me I want to show my sincerity in this message by actions and not words. Effective immediately, Noodler's Ink will begin the process of renaming inks and redesigning ink labels that are harmful to anyone. In addition, I'll be making a $3,600 donation to the Anti-Defamation League. Boom. There you are. Very specific number, isn't it? 3600 well, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to do it because, well, we, we're not those sort of people. But there's a lot to unpack in that statement. Yes. Um, there are a lot of lot of interesting phrasings that, uh, well, I suppose more interested people than you and I will uh, will dive into. But uh, look, I, I don't know anything about uh, about this guy. Um, it seems a genuine apology. It seems that he's made a mistake and he's trying to trying to rectify that. So there you go. Um, as I said in the Slack at the time, symbols, really, really dangerous things if you don't know what they mean, <laughs> uh, which, which clearly he didn't. 
I I got to admit, I I sound really um you know sheltered here. I hadn't got a clue looking at it until I read the comments exactly what it was. And I read the comments and, oh boy, I needed the popcorn for that. It was, uh, yeah, I could see how he upset a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. Based on the image that he chose. I, I, I know nothing further than that, but yeah, you gotta be careful. You know, if you're, uh, you know, intentional or not, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But wow, Ugh. what a, what a horrible thing, uh, uh, such a, such an easily avoidable mistake mm. because you look at it, uh, the, the whole thing is he's got a picture of a guy, he's just taken a nasty picture of a person that's had some digital work done to it. Ben Bernanke, who was, I think he was chairman of the Fed down in the States for a while. Correct. Um, and it's just, you know, I don't know if he did it, if somebody else did it, if he found it off the internet and thought it would look fun. But, you know, uh, anybody that's picking apart people like that, you know, you got to be careful in this day and age. Yeah. And certainly this one, uh, you know, I'm glad it got, I'm glad it got called out. You know, it's a, it's a learning experience for all of us, myself included, because, you know, I would have glanced over this image. It's not something I would have found funny or amusing or honestly even would have recognized who the guy was had it not had his name on the label. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an interesting thing how to, how to uh, blow up your brand in not a good way. Yeah, it's, it's the second one of these we've had, isn't it? I mean, we, we were talking about uh, Basecamp when they they had their big fallout with the with their staff and their teams and um, sort of you know uh, big memos saying don't talk politics, um, which is is always one great way of making everybody talk politics in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting follow up on that follow up on the follow up um, is that they've rebranded again. Did you were you aware of this? I wasn't. I haven't seen anything on this. Yeah. So uh, Basecamp used to come from a company called Thirty Seven Signals. Right. Uh, and now again comes from a company called 37 signals. They've gone back to the old name. I would have gone 36 signals because there's one signal we don't want to, uh, let out anymore, <laughs> but you know, that's just me. The 36 signals would have been a far wittier name. You're quite right. But, um, <laughs> Hey, speaking of, uh, companies having public relations disasters, I heard one of the Bigwigs over at Apple has uh, walked away after uh, yeah. not liking their back to work uh, enforced uh, process. Yeah, I think it was the head of machine learning. If I'm not not, yeah, not I think incorrect. that might be might be the one. Yeah, but uh, wow, everybody's everybody's having fun at the moment. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's uh, all of this stored up angst from the lockdowns. That's what I'm going to put it down to. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. What's your tool of the week? Tool of the week. Oh, what is my tool of the week? My tool was an app. The other day, I was having one of those days. You know how some days you just feel drained. You're not particularly productive. I took a long lunch. I grabbed the princess and we sat to have a little couch in my area down here. And I sat on my couch with Coco. And Coco is amazing because if she sits on my lap, um, she is like the ultimate sleeping pill. Uh, she just curls up. She's so warm. Boom. That's it. And so I, I had a good hour and a bit nap and oh my gosh, 
I felt so much better and rested and I was so productive in the afternoon. Um, I think I would have just spent the whole day checking email, you know, refresh, refresh, you know, mm -hmm. you know, when you get in that tired, bleh, sure. um, that's kind of where I was and wow, that nap did a lot for me. And I kind of look at that and go, you know, this is one of the luxuries of working from home. You know, we we're just talking about the, the Apple challenges there. This is something people can do, give them flexibility to work based on production, not time in the seat. And, you know, I, I keep going back and forth as to the best way, you know, there's always this, when you have a team that reports to you, you kind of got to think about things both ways, mm -hmm. but certainly, um, having an app, not necessarily the worst use of my time that day. Oh, for sure. I, I have to say that's, uh, pretty much standard in my day. Um, certainly in the summer months, I'm, I'm at my desk usually by, well, probably eight o'clock by the latest because I would have come back from walking the dogs. Um, and then after lunch, I will have a nap because it's probably 40 something degrees in the summer. Um, and then, uh, after I've woken from that, I'll go and, uh, have a quick swim and then I'll do another sort of, I don't know, uh, three, four hours. Hmm sort of late afternoon, early evening work because it's beginning to cool off a bit and uh, it's possible. And I think a nap is brilliant. It's I, I'm at my best in the morning and by having a nap, I just have two mornings a day. Yep. That would be the way I would look at it. I had two mornings, two productive mornings. So very cool. Fantastic. Me was uh, really simple was the shared calendar. Um, I've, uh, I, I'm part of a golf society, a sort of, you know, club within a club type thing. And I, I've recently, uh, yes, it's very exciting, Justin. I've been elevated to the executive. What <laughs> lovely, uh, which basically means I do a load of free work for other people. Um, and one of the things was working out the schedule for our season. And so I did, <laughs> I had a chat with a couple of other people and I put it all into a calendar and then sent out share invite to other people in the executive. And they went, that's amazing. And I went, well, no, it's not. It's a shared calendar. Uh, that's brilliant. I can, I, can I get it on my phone? Yeah. So I can have it on my phone and my computer? And I went away thinking, wow, there's, there's a great opportunity for some IT education now. I can, I can transform these people's lives if they don't <laughs> understand these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a great tool. The, that, that's why I don't use a, you know, a handheld analog planner anymore is because that ability to share uh calendars and stuff unbeatable for me mm. you don't have a wife like mine then well i wouldn't like to comment my wife loves the share calendar the distraction of red bubbles things i have to click on to make go away because you have to accept them and acknowledge them in the apple world uh-huh everything's in and out and oh i get i could tell where she's bored because you know how most people sit and surf facebook or you know whatever that that time consuming thing is my wife goes and reorganizes the calendar mm -hmm. and i'm trying to work and i can see it's 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 like little bullets popping up because again calendar is one of the few things that does have notifications on it boink, 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 little red things popping up 
Oh my God, it, it drives me nuts, Stu. Absolutely drives me nuts. So I, I kind of agree, but at the same time, kind of go, use cautiously. Well, uh, the way I get around that one, Justin, is that uh, we have, uh, there's there's an SL calendar and an ML calendar. Mm-hmm. And um, I turn the ML calendar off once I've reviewed my morning and I know what I'm doing. I, I turn that off so it's not showing on my device. And then when I go finish my day, I turn it back on. Mm-hmm. I, I, at which point, yes, I deal with my little red bubbles. And it's great to know when my wife is getting her uh, her waxing done, her hair done, her nails done. Her, uh, but yes, I would find that quite distracting during the day. But that's, that's, that's my coping strategy is I just don't have it during the day when I'm working. You're, you're, you're a braver man than I am. <laughs> well, I don't go out of the office until I've got it switched on and I know exactly what I should know. You know? <laughs> it's just, it's just a, a, a sort of rhythmic discipline. That's what it is. Mm. My, my wife works, well, she doesn't work at the moment because of the whole cancer treatment. Um, so she's at home. If, if I dare walk upstairs to go to the fridge uh, with not knowing what the latest development was, I, I'm going to start getting them in text as well, Stu. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, in that case, just suck it up and live with it. Yeah. All right. What's your pen of the week? Let's, let's, let's go to something more positive. It's been an odd episode. <laughs> well, my pen is, uh, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's the Pelican Blue Dunes, um, which is, uh, Ooh, lovely. 805. So it's a big junky pen, um, sort of silver, silver colored, uh, furniture, I believe is the correct phrase. And I filled it the other day and then went off to a meeting and then opened it. And um, the, yes, the first five minutes of the meeting was me dealing with, well, just pints of blue black ink everywhere. Oof. Just, oh, oh, yes, right. Mm, I hadn't really let this settle, had I? Oh, never mind. Mm. I said, well, it was nice. It was a nice little icebreaker, but I did feel slightly at a disadvantage sitting there sort of, rubbing at my fingers with tissue while trying to negotiate with a lawyer. But there you go. Um, that's that's the joy of being a fancy pen user. Uh, you know what you have to do? Just embrace the inner Smurf. The blue looks good. Yes, she did. I, uh, this this lawyer is very high-powered. She did say, that's why I don't use fancy pens. <laughs> and I have a stationary company, yes. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm not sure that we can still be friends, but I'm just going to... I'm just going to pass over that comment. Mm. A little bit of ink on the finger is nothing to be concerned about. And, and then we had a little bit of a laugh. It was fine. Um, but since then, of course, that was it. It's now fine. It's writing beautifully. The ink is flying onto the page. None of it's flying onto my fingers. Ay, pens. Pens. They're like, they're like argumentative little dogs. That's what pens are like. <laughs> what about you? What are you using? I just think an argumentative little dog, it doesn't like you, it leaks all over you. <laughs> yep, I could see that as an argumentative little dog. Uh, I'm using a Panida Avatar UR, which I don't know if you've uh, tried any of the Panida stuff. No. They are kind of a breakaway of, I think it was Visconti, the guy went out and did his own thing after one of these corporate takeover doohickey things. Um, but they're, they're nice pens. This one is on the lower end price point. It's a uh, steel nib. It's sort of a translucent blue color 
rather lovely actually it's got a, a lovely little clip on it a spring clip which is fantastic um and one of the little details on it it has a sort of a soft i guess it's almost a rubber grip to it but the cartridge converter in it comes with an ink gauge on it printed on the outside so you can hold it up and you can see just how much ink you have left in there on a gauge which is kind of useless but hey it's cool and you can see it from within inside the translucent body so i like it 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 writes nice yeah a bit different it's uh very uh, european i.e the fine that's on there is probably well it's a japanese broad you know it's it's a big juicy pen if you actually it might it might be a, a fine nib that would suit someone like yourself Stu. Hmm. Well, there's not many of those around. So, so you've not got a uh, mammoth tusk pen then? A mammoth tusk? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, no spoilers, pen addicts. Um, you're going to hear all about uh, oh. a mammoth tusk pen. Uh, the Joni Ive one? Yes. Ah, okay. I hadn't finished that episode yet, so, but I did see, yeah, you know, yeah, the interwebs. Um, Johnny Ive gets a lot. Somehow he comes up a lot on my feed. Go figure. Uh -huh. My pen is also filled with one. Of, I'm using one of those inks that I did for the Diamine Christmas box, the advent calendar. Oh, yeah. uh, this one is called Stargazer, which is a blue that has both sheen and shimmer. So there you go. That's uh, something. Oh, and Stu is busy uh, correcting my capitalization of the word Christmas. A great grammar pedants. You know, yes. I mean, got to get these things right. Heavens. Well, it's, it's not going in the show notes like that. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's nobody okay. nobody but you sees it, but you can, I you know, can do what you I like. Know. Oh, right. Stu. I am my own worst critic. Yep. Um, so the diamine is is lovely, um, and I've I keep meaning there's a few inks that I want to get that I've had samples of in these small bottles that I want to go to cult pens and get, and I keep uh, putting it off, and I should do now because well, apart from at three degrees, the weather's not bad, so I can ship ink to myself. I haven't bought any ink this year at all, Stu. Isn't that weird? So so you're telling me, Justin, that you're procrastinating on ink. Oh, good segue. Yes, I'm procrastinating. All right, let's let's talk about our topics in this stew. Um, drove me there as easy as crashing into a car. Smashed your head against the wall of procrastination. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I was procrastinating on why we talk about this topic. So I had an ugly project the other week. It was time-consuming. It was detail-oriented. It was non-value-adding, at least to what I do in a day. But it was required by an external agency, and there was a financial penalty if it wasn't completed. Uh, so I'd spent some time when I first got this project. I had about a month to work on it. And I got all of the pieces in place, but I needed to do a good chunk of grunt work. And I'd scheduled it in for about a week before the due date on that. And it was on my day planner and I'd had it there. I'd, I'd purposely put it there. And that day came and I looked at it and I went, you know what? I'll do that the next day. And the next day came and I said, you know what? I'm going to do that on Monday. And then Monday came and I got busy doing all kinds of valuable stuff like 
you know, hitting the refresh button on my email. Um, and Tuesday was sort of the deadline for it. And well, I had to go into this crazy mode of jumping in, pushing hard. That's it. Out of the way. I'm going to get this done. And I got it done. But the, I got it done at about 10 o'clock at night, Sue. Why did I procrastinate? I could have done this in a much easier way and got it done normally. Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew I was procrastinating. I still allowed myself to say, you know what? I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to move it over to the next day. And it, it absolutely killed me. It took me to the point where I needed, I wouldn't say superhuman effort, but you know, you need to get into that. Oh my gosh, this deadline looming uh, mode and jump on it and uh, yeah, it was yeah. more crisis mode. Yeah, more stress than it needed to be, and I, I, I never could understand why I did this to myself. So I want to talk about procrastination with Stu. See, see what your thoughts are on this. If you have any tips for this, I mean, I know the basics, but I still apparently can't put them into practice. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, help me out on this one. Hey, what, what do you do? Do you do you deal with procrastination at all? <laughs> the man who's been writing a novel for seven years. Um, Point taken. Uh, I, the first thing I did was looked it up. Okay, just uh, to to put us on a on the same even keel. Procrastination is the action of unnecessarily and voluntarily delaying or postponing something, despite knowing that there will be negative consequences for doing so. Oh, I could have saved that entire preamble, couldn't I? And just read your description. <laughs> well, no, it, to me, the key words there, um, which your your preamble brought out entirely, was that it's unnecessarily and voluntarily delaying. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I suppose the point, I, the first point I would make is that everybody procrastinates. Absolutely everybody does. If somebody says they don't, they're just lying. Mm. There you go. Uh, anybody got any thoughts against that? Just send Justin an email. That's fine. <laughs> Everyone procrastinates. And I'm convinced that most of the solutions to procrastination um, are not very good because I think we tend to rationalize. I think procrastination is a weird sort of rationalization where we say, this is in my planner for Wednesday. It doesn't need to be done until Monday. It's not something I particularly want to do. Therefore, I'm going to reschedule that for Thursday, stroke Friday, stroke Saturday, stroke Sunday, stroke ah, deadline. <laughs> it, it's yep. a kind of, you know, rationalization of not doing something we don't particularly want to do. I mean, it's fairly logical, to be honest. Um, I, I think it's, um, I think there's something emotional behind it. Mm. either it's, you know, that simple emotion of, well, this is really boring, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Or for me, I know that I come across a whole load more sort of more complicated things. So um, uh, certainly around novels and things like that, the writing of or not writing of, perhaps more pertinently, um, is, is that fear of failure. Um, it's that fear of vulnerability of saying, look, this is my book. And somebody going, yeah, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I logically and rationally know that, um, if I show my book to all the people, some of them are not going to like it. Hopefully some of them will like it. And most people will be in the middle and not care. 
I mean, that's that's just a fact. I mean, that's just the way this stuff works. Most people will never even hear of the book. Um, but that doesn't mean that I feel vulnerable putting putting it out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's what drives not just my procrastination about writing, but many people's procrastination about writing. Conflict is another one. I see a lot of procrastination where, um, you know, people in my teams or people in my sphere have avoided doing something because they don't want to get into the conflict that they feel will will ensue. You know, that's why uh, in lots of companies you see problems that last forever and ever because nobody is prepared to sort of face up to them and deal with them. Uh, you know, I've... I think it's emotionally driven. That's the point I want to make is that when you have an emotional issue, trying to meet that with with reasoned responses uh, is pretty much the same as throwing vegetable oil at a fire. I mean, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to to deal with the emotion with the emotion, if you see what I mean. Mm. Which is all very, very sort of hippy-dippy and not very me. Um. What's the phrase? The, a lot of my thinking on this comes from from Margaret, my wife, who's a uh, a grief recovery specialist. There you go. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, and that's a, that's a method that came out of America about how to help people deal with their own grief. Mm-hmm. And it's not counselling, but the, you know, there's sort of elements of it. And you know, she's forever saying to me, "Look, grievers don't want you to give them." reasoned responses <laughs> grievers are expressing they want to get this stuff out they want to be heard so um you know these meaningless phrases that you hear people coming out with like oh, how old was he or she as if that matters you know if someone close to you has died who cares how old they are <laughs> the pertinent fact is they've died and that's very sad Turn about oh 90 oh well that's a good innings you'll hear that a lot in the uk <laughs> That's a good age, yeah, yeah. But well, it doesn't change the fact that them dying is very sad. <laughs> and of course, people are just saying this because they want to try and say something. Um, but you know, she's she's trained me very well. She's like, these are emotional statements. They don't require an answer. They require some some empathy, some sympathetic listening. But you know, don't try and be a smart ass when somebody's trying to agree. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with procrastination. I look at what I'm doing and say, why am I doing this? What what is it that's making me push this task? And it might just be, I can't be bothered. <laughs> let's let's be honest. That's a real thing. But also for me, when I I'm focusing specifically on the book, um, when I put the book out. It will not be the best it could be. Not every sentence is going to be the best sentence I've ever written. And that's rationally obvious. Of course it isn't. Mm. There are going to be, I would hope, several books. And I imagine that if you write 10 of them, you get good at it, like anything else, but a practice helps. But that emotion that's stopping me from writing the thing is is really about fear it's about me thinking oh, people won't like it well they won't like me <laughs> that that they all thought i was quite smart and they'll realize that i'm actually absolutely stupid and that's you know imposter syndrome and all of this good jazz mm-hmm. 
And it can be absolutely crippling procrastination. And I take as my example, Your Honor, um, the uh, Merlin Mann story. So uh, for those who don't know, I'm sure everybody does, but Merlin Mann, very smart guy, um, podcaster to the world, lots of great shows, all the great shows on Real FM. And he is widely credited with coining the phrase Inbox Zero. Now, I think he's widely credited with coining the phrase Inbox Zero because he coined the phrase Inbox Zero. Uh, and he was doing a lot of talking about it, and he was writing about it on his website, um, which is still there, still sort of persists, so that it's not updated anymore, uh, called 43 Folders, where he was talking about the getting things done methodology and his journey through productivity, or the productivity racket, as he now calls it. Um, and he wrote... He was talking about this a lot, and he was approached by a publisher who said, "You know, this is this is gold, Merlin. You need to you need to write the Inbox Zero book. To the extent we are gonna we're gonna pay you money to do that." And like anyone else who you know likes putting words together, uh, Merlin thought, "Yeah, okay, fantastic. This is great," and got into writing the book, and then realized he didn't really like writing the book. And he wrote, I, I won't explain it, he wrote a fantastic post called Cranking, which uh, will be in the show notes, uh, which was his realisation that he didn't want to write the book. So if you like the, I suppose, the outcome and output of his procrastination was this post, uh, which is well worth a read. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way of going. The other way of going uh, is the way that I think I'm most likely to go, mostly because I'm quite a stubborn ornery, difficult, contentious, contrarian sort of person, is that I'll just finish the damn book. <laughs> it's, it's, it's become such a sort of thing to me now that I have to get it out into the world and go, right, there you go, I've done it. Mm-hmm. At which point I will then sit back and go, right, do I want to do that again? Or was that a horrible experience? And I, I'm not prejudging that conversation. I don't know what I'm going to feel. But I do feel very strongly that, you know, I can't live with myself not finishing it. So even if it's unpunctuated, it will be going out. Mm. Well, at least one thing, I can guarantee that the uh, spelling of Christmas and the capitalization will be correct in your book, if nothing else. Well, of, of course, of course they will. Uh, the, the use of the word who and whom, that, I mean, that'll be right as well. Um mm-hmm. Although, in fairness, um, uh, one of the things I am finding really interesting is how language is evolving. And certainly in dialogue, you write a lot of things that are grammatically incorrect. And my, my inner pedant is going, well, no, that's not, no, that's not, no, that's not correct. No, no, no. I'm thinking, no, actually, that is how people speak, which is more important for the traveling of the story, to be honest. It's, it's, there you go. And then I just get myself into a, into a tears and, and don't write another word for a week. So perhaps that's behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Th- this was going to be therapy for me and it's therapy for you as well. Steve. <laughs> well I don't know. I'm, I feel quite tearful. Justin, I'm not sure it's working, mate. Uh, I was, I was trying to, as you were talking about that and I was listening, I was thinking, what is my emotion? And, you know, I don't know if I actually want to ad- admit this on a podcast about productivity, but I think I was just been a petulant child. <laughs> I was throwing my toys out of the sandbox and going, I don't want to do this stupid project that somebody else is making me do. Therefore, I'll sit on it and I'll leave it till the last 
minute. Yeah, there is. You know, and, and as stupid as that sounds, there's probably a dose of reality in there. Well, that's the that's the the rationalisation thing as well, isn't it? Because we're both quite, um, you know, fond of our own voices and our own opinions. So, I I sit there when I'm faced with um, study for for the the MBA that I'm doing, and I, I sit there faced with it. I think, look, I've I've built a really successful business and I've sold it for a lot of money. I do not need an MBA. This is a complete waste of my time and effort. And there's another part of me that's sitting in the back going, yeah, but you signed up for it. <laughs> Shut up. Just do the work, Stu. Do the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just get on and do it. And I'll tell you what really helped me was you, because you recommended to me uh, How to Be a Straight A Student by Cal Newport, which was Cal Newport's first book, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe a second, I'm not sure. Um, it's, I mean, it's so old that you can't get it on Kindle. So, yeah, so for younger listeners, uh, back in back in the day, we used to have all these books printed on bits of paper and stuff. Yeah, you'd love it, honestly. Dead trees and everything, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, thinking, I, I was thinking, well, Justin wouldn't have recommended it if it wasn't any good. So I had to, in the end, get it from Amazon.com, um, who then shipped it to me uh, in Cyprus at about four times the cost of the actual book. Um, Ouch. But it's brilliant. And the, the, you know, some of the uh, tricks is probably the wrong word. Some of the techniques that uh, that he uses are ultimately they're just ways of getting around procrastination. And I've followed them. So um, I've just started a new module uh, in my MBA. And the first thing that I do is I go into uh, into the website where everything is, and there's loads of reading that I have to do, and I download it all and put it in directories on my computer. Me being me, I print it. Sorry, trees. Uh, I, I I put it into into folders. Um, I look at all the lectures that I have to to look at, and I start scheduling things bit by bit. And his recommendation is: do all this in stages. Do not think, okay, I'm going to dive into unit one and start doing the reading. No, get all your stuff down for unit one. Get it organized somewhere. If you're going to print it get it printed, get it filed, get yourself, right, I am ready to do unit one, then go and have a beer. Go relax, take it easy. Your task is done for the day. And then set your next task, start planning your tasks and saying, okay, I need to read two articles, watch one lecture, start putting them into your calendar, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, everything is bite size, mm. you know, and it's that old-fashioned phrase that, that you know and I know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Just keep going at the little bits and it's less scary. So when I think about writing a scene for my novel, I get a lot more done than when I think about writing my novel because it's it's less intimidating. So if I was giving practical uh, hints about how not to procrastinate, I would say planning and scheduling is really important. I would also note that Justin, or, or indeed I, can circumvent that and override it at any time and go, nah, I don't care, I've scheduled it, I'm not doing it, because I don't want to. <laughs> Basically, yep, that, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. I'm, I'm going to go and, and put my pictures up on Instagram and be pretty, uh, because I'm too pretty to do this. No. Um, yeah, I just, I was my frame of mind. I was just having a hissy fit and didn't want to do it. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's funny because as you're, as you're talking about 
one of the things that I had done, again, you know, having these systems in place that we're talking about week after week, I had got all the pieces together. And it was just the final piece that was a known quantity. I knew what I had to do. I knew exactly how to do it. So all of the process had actually been done. It was actually just the doing the work, which is probably the only reason that I could get away with procrastinating and putting it off is because all of the pre-work. But again, that comes back to what you're talking about, Cal Newport, is getting all of those pieces planned out ahead of time. But at the end of the day, you still got to do the work. And yep. that is sometimes a challenge that I'm admitting that, you know, even somebody that talks on a podcast every week about how to be more productive, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, as, as, as I think we probably alluded to, I mean, very often my, my technique with this, I, I do the best I can to get, as you say, into the best prepared place to manage all the things I have to do. But occasionally um, that little voice has to have a word with itself. And, you know, I have to, to grab myself warmly by the throat and say, do the damn work. Mm -hmm. Sit your backside in that chair and write a sentence. Mm -hmm. And if that goes okay, write another one. And true enough, <laughs> I mean, a couple of things. One, if you, if you want, to, uh, if you want a, a house that has all its chores done, go to a writer's house mm. because me, I, I don't believe in cleaning and laundry and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I happily pay other people to do all that. <laughs> Today I've done four loads of washing. I've reorganized the, the, the desks. I've cleaned everything down because I was, you know, I had some writing to do. <laughs> just, just procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating until I just said, right, okay, let's sit down. And I sat down and actually I'd already written the scene. I had to add about, eight, nine words, change a bit of punctuation, boom, publish. So all that drama. <laughs> Although the wife's very pleased, all the washing's done, she's delighted. Mm. Do you find, and I'm just, I, I'm not sure if this is me, when you go into Superman mode, oh. the, the part of you that comes in on the final day that something's due and everything else gets pushed out, you know, eating, breathing, you know, damn it, I'm doing this. There's an adrenaline rush to that. No, oh, for sure. Is that also a factor in why we procrastinate? Because we like that adrenaline rush of, you know, what, what was a boring, you know, in my case, a, a boring and tedious process researching a bunch of stuff. And it was, it was really boring. But when you're doing that against your back's against the wall, you've got a deadline. All of a sudden, at the end of the night, when I'd finished all that work, I kind of patted myself on the back. I was, you know, I, I hate to admit that I was proud of myself, but I kind of was. That was me going, yes, you know, I rose up to the challenge. Yes, it's a stupid challenge that I created because I couldn't get my button gear last week. But, you know, that, that adrenaline rush that finishing something, putting that final, hitting that final send button, you know, the one, um, yeah, it just felt, it felt good. And I don't know if that was part of my weird procrastination on this particular project. Uh, but how about, how about you? Is that, is that, am I just been stupid or is that something that affects you as well? 
No, I mean, I think it's uh, it's a system's weakness, and uh, it's been pointed out to me by by other people, <laughs> smarter people. Um, oh, this, thanks, I've Stuart. done a lot of work. I've done a lot of work with uh, with Sean Blog on this, where he's the focus course, the focus academy that I'm part of. Uh, one of the key things that he talks about in that whole sort of cycle is that, that we're all very bad at is celebrating success. And I suppose the obvious way to do it is there are times when you and I probably function as pretty reasonable executives and get stuff done. Boom, finish that, finish this. Okay, it's half past four. I'm going to take the dog for a little walk. Uh, I'm going to go and say hi to the neighbors and just, you know, I'm just cool. And we just live our lives and carry on. Mm -hmm. What Sean would argue is, whoa, 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 hang on. You finished all that stuff in good time. You've done good work. You deserve a pat on the back. You've done really well. Take a minute to thank yourself, to congratulate yourself, because you've done something really, really cool. And because we don't do that, we create this sort of, as you said, you finish at half past 10, having worked solidly for seven and a half hours. And you go, up and go yes, I did the work. I'm going to get a scotch. I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> <sighs> And it's because we we crave that sort of self-recognition and we starve ourselves of it. Um, and I think that is definitely part of it because I'm I'm like you, you know, if I've uh, I've put myself into real trouble, I am behind the deadline, I am behind the eight ball, I am under pressure, but I beat it. Well, beat what? I'm gonna beat myself. Mm. I'm the idiot that put me there. So why should why should I celebrate that? What I should celebrate is finishing at half past four, going, you know what? I've done everything I needed to do. Boom. Tomorrow's another day. I'm going to go and spend some time with my wife. And that's what I think we need to get better at, is um, that whole cycle, that sort of right virtuous circle of, of saying, okay, yeah, bang, I've done well here. Because that's really useful in terms of then working out what you're going to do next. And that that sort of, self-supporting cycle if you like i think we're probably terrible at it i know i am and i strong suspicion you are as well it, it's weird i i'm not like this all the time most of the tough time i can schedule my stuff out and i can you know stick to the plan or close enough to the plan sure yeah you know that that i get what i need to do done but sometimes and it's it's funny when you notice it you really do notice it and this was one of those occasions that just kind of brought it out and made me go, what the heck am I thinking? Sure. Ah, well, crazy. Any takeaways on your thoughts on procrastination, Stu? Well, the biggest takeaway for me, uh, which came from me thinking about this and reading um, Merlin's post again, was that, you know, a lot of the procrastination, a procrastination can be your brain saying, look, hang on. You're putting a lot of energy into this. Is this where you really want your energy to go? And he concluded that, that it wasn't. Mm. So in that respect, procrastination is a good thing because it makes you reassess. On the other hand, reassessing constantly can be just another form of procrastination. So look, for me, and this is personally me, do the damn work. Mm. That's, that's the answer for me. Uh, I have to just push through. But think about things. That would be my takeaway. Think. Ooh, deep. 
do the damn work. I could have used you telling me that a couple of weeks ago, Stu, when I was into this problem. <laughs> as long as I didn't tell you by telephone. <laughs> yeah, you know better than this this type of thing. <laughs> you know, even even Stu just said, you know, point out what kind of fantastic relationship we have. We're getting on a call, and Stu actually texts me, uh, messages me to say, okay, I'm ready. I'm standing by. And so that we could do, it's, it's like, oh, that is perfect. I've got nothing against a call. I enjoy talking to people, believe it or not. But at a time that is mutually convenient and agreed upon, not when you happen to get to it. Anyway, grump, grump, <laughs> grump. Uh, my takeaway as far as thinking about procrastination, it's more of a question to myself. If your mind fights you, because in the end of the day, you are your mind and you are fighting yourself, who wins? <laughs> You've really got to look at it and think about it and go, what am I doing and why? But yeah, I got I to gotta come up with some better systems for these things. And I think certainly going down the emotional path, I think will have some, some value to me to at least understand uh, why I am procrastinating besides because I'm a petulant child. <laughs> 51 year old petulant child. That's me. Yep. There we go. That's what uh, they mean when they say, get in touch with your inner child. <laughs> hey, you know what? I came into this world, uh, bald, um, pooping myself and without teeth. And you know, I'm already halfway there <laughs> to leaving the same way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on my website at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk or on the Twitter machine, you can find me at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, justintwyford.com. You can find both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. And I was thinking, because I don't do a lot on Twitter, if anybody's interested in seeing what I'm complaining about with the weather and the views of living in rural canada uh my instagram instagram at j.j.twyford because somebody had you know you know when you don't sign up to all of these services at once people get your your names so uh there'll be a link in the show notes but yeah if you want to see what i'm up to and see pictures of the princess and occasionally one of me if you really want to be scared uh, there you go you can find us there Please feel free to email us your comments, answers to procrastination, emotional outbursts, or if you want to throw your toys out of the pram at somebody, hey, stationaryjason at gmail.com. Take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. All right, our next topic. I, I hinted this earlier. Because of my ongoing battle, we're going to talk about effective voicemail for productivity. Sounds very serious, but I think there's something to unpack here because, well, people aren't very effective at voicemail or productivity for that matter, based on the above conversation. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, sis.